whistleblower report exposing lies deceptions and all that has assaulted our way of life we must take back our freedom and live as god designed in a free america that honors our constitution and our creator our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report Vaccine Report today with Dr. Mike Eden and Dr. Lee for America as your co-host. And today we want to talk about the new evidence from stunning research by Kevin McKiernan, a scientist with 25 years in the genomic field and a leading expert in sequencing methods for DNA and RNA. His new discoveries have such deep and chilling implications for all of us that Dr. Eden and I wanted to begin talking about this in the broad picture of how it affects every one of you listening and your family and your friends and your children And then we will also be bringing on additional, in the weeks to come, additional molecular biology experts who can go into more detail on additional aspects of the implications of Dr. McKiernan's work that have a bearing on the fact that these bacterial DNA contamination discoveries in the COVID shots can actually alter the human DNA in such a way that it is transmitted to the next generation. And that gets into a little more of the complicated biology that we'll be talking about in the weeks to come. But right now, this on social media, if you Google the term or use another browser that isn't censored, such as Google is, Look up the term plasmid gate. That's P L A S M I D hyphen gate as a play on the old Watergate and other scandals. But plasmid gate is actually referring to the fact that there is bacterial DNA contamination in the COVID shots that Dr. McKiernan found in addition to all to the RNA that is supposed to be there. And what, let's go back to what Dr. McKiernan actually did. He received vials of both Pfizer and Moderna COVID shots. And he was, thinking, as all of us physicians and scientists would normally think based on what 
the media narrative and the government narrative has been that the vials would contain mRNA. But he discovered that the vials were not pure mRNA, but instead had a lot of bacterial DNA. And also there was additional evidence of green monkey DNA in some of the back in some of the vials. Now, remember, if you go back to the original narrative that everyone worldwide was given about the mRNA shots, oh, you don't have to worry about those. The shots are going to stay in the deltoid muscle in the arm. It's not going to be disseminated around your body. And no, no way is the mRNA in our shots going to alter your own body's DNA. That's absurd. We were made to feel stupid. We were ridiculed. We were mocked in the best Saul Alinsky rules for radicals strategy of mocking and ridiculing your opponent and discrediting them with ridicule and derision. We were mocked. Those of us scientists and physicians who raised those questions were mocked and ridiculed and censored. But as it turned out, there was a, as someone said, an annoying little paper that was published in 2022 by Alden et al., which was an in vitro study involving human liver cells showing that Pfizer's mRNA was expressed as DNA within six hours. That was stunning, and it confirmed all of the concerns that those of us physicians and scientists were raising from the beginning, and we were lied to and told it couldn't happen. Well, it does happen, and subsequent studies have shown not only that, but the DNA in the gametes, the oocytes in women's ovaries that become the egg to create a baby, and the gametes of sperm in men can incorporate the changed DNA from the COVID shot influence with the mRNA. And that in turn means that Eggs from women and sperm from men can carry these genetic alterations into the next generation. Now, I'm simplifying that, and we will talk more about the details of the molecular biology in programs to come. But the bottom line is we already knew from the studies before what Dr. Kevin McKiernan found We knew that the mRNA in the COVID shots could alter our human DNA and not only affect us, but also affect the next generation through impact on eggs and sperm. In addition, the mRNA altered the DNA in such a way that it turned off our body's protective tumor suppressor genes. That's another reason that the cancer rates 
have been skyrocketing since the COVID shot rollout. But what Dr. McKernan found that was different from what we had learned about the mRNA and the shots altering the DNA, he found that when he got the vials of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, they already had foreign DNA present in the vaccine serum. That is very alarming. And there was no reverse transcription needed by mRNA to have this foreign DNA in the vials cause havoc in the body. It was already there, already made, and intact in the injections. McKiernan also found mRNA fragments and other pieces of RNA, and he found two forms of DNA in these vials, linearized and circular. And the significance of the circular or plasmid DNA is extremely important. The plasmid DNA is the complete recipe that they've used in other experiments to program bacterial cells to mass produce the mRNA. This DNA should not be in the shots being injected into your body. And Dr. McKiernan did further investigations and showed that the plasmid DNA in the vaccines was indeed viable and capable of transformation in the bacterial cells. And both the Pfizer and Moderna injections contained this DNA encoding the spike gene and potentially capable of inserting that spike gene into the genome of an organism. So for all of you listening, if you've gotten the shots, don't get any more now that we know how serious the contamination issues are and how the, and the fact that there is actual DNA in addition to the mRNA. And what he found in his samples is even more concerning because of the magnitude of the contamination. Let's go back to basics. Manufacturing standards allow for a minuscule amount of DNA contamination. And that would be around 0.033% of the total nucleic acids in the dose. So 0.033% would be an allowed compliance with manufacturing standards. But what he found was DNA contamination of up to 35%. That's a thousand times higher than what's allowed to be acceptable by the regulating authorities. In the Pfizer monovalent COVID shots, the levels he found of DNA were 18 to 70 times higher than the limit. And 
in the bivalent injection samples he analyzed, the DNA contamination was at 35% or a thousand times higher than what the regulatory agencies allow. And so for all of you listening, Dr. Now that I've given you the overview of the problem that has been identified, Dr. Yee and I'll be talking about some of the implications of that. But this contamination discovery raises the question of what did our regulatory authorities know ahead of time about the risk of such contamination? And people in Australia, scientists and doctors in Europe, Australia, the UK, the US are all pressing to get answers to these questions. And the other part of the issue is what discussions have been held between the regulatory agencies and Big Pharma about the safety of these injections that have not been disclosed to the public? And what does this, quote, accidental discovery mean? For those who've already had the mRNA injections, what does it mean in terms of your health and your future offspring if you're in your reproductive years when you got the shot? And what about the future of the human genome? Worldwide, scientists, physicians, and genomics experts have been absolutely shocked by this discovery. Dr. McKiernan as well, he said, And he's reported, this is a quote attributed to him, I didn't expect to find Pfizer's entire blueprint for how they manufacture this thing sitting in the vial. He's referring to the DNA. Of course, neither did any of us. So with that overview of what the latest shocking discovery that the public has not been told. Dr. Eden, what are your thoughts about all of this? I mean, you've been raising these alarms since the fall of 2020. So what are some of your concerns about what we now have discovered through people like Dr. McKiernan and his work and other molecular biologists Mm -hmm. who've shown that the mRNA reverse transcriptase effects on our DNA can be transmitted to human egg and sperm. Yeah. No, you've done a, Dr. Lee, you've done a fantastic job, really, um, of describing to, to the audience, you know, that the fundamentals of yet another problem that uh, Dr. Kevin McKernan has uncovered. Uh, I know him slightly, uh, believe it or not, I'm actually a co-author uh, with him on a paper, which which he was the, the lead uh, author uh, on, I believe, uh, where we critiqued the original PCR method for allegedly detecting SARS-CoV-2. So Kevin and a couple of others uh, who work with PCR all the time and, and knew that this, this method could not possibly have been generated, validated, um, and the paper written up and gone through proper peer review in anything like the 48 hours at most between submission of the manuscript by not a a nice person called Professor Christian Drosten in Berlin, that he submitted this manuscript for the method 
that and that method underscores every PCR test that's been done, and it's on the basis of the PCR test that cases have been uh, so-called confirmed. When they talk about confirmed COVID case, it sounds like lots of doctors have, have cogitated over it. Really, what it means is there's a positive PCR test result, and I knew that that these tests are unsuitable for clinical diagnoses. Uh, I wasn't the subject matter expert, but uh, Dr. McKernan was, and with about 10 people, uh, I and you know, a multinational team critiqued that paper and showed that, that the method was junk and that the claims peer review was fraudulent. So that, that is at the heart of this um, so-called pandemic. And uh, uh, the WHO heads was waving this manuscript uh, when he said on TV, remember folks, test, test, test. That's what the Tedros was telling everybody. That was using this test. And Dr. McKernan and I, in a small way, uh, uh, did a, uh, we did a, we did a proper peer review of it. And it's called the Corman, uh, the Corman, C-O-R-M-A-N, Drosten, D-R-O-S-T-E-N, Corman Drosten Review. And you can find that, ladies and gentlemen, if you go online, because one of the co-authors was very clever with tech and actually built a separate server. We knew it would come under relentless attack, and it did, uh, but they weren't able to, to knock, it, knock it over, and it's been visited by tens of millions of people. So you don't need to be a scientific expert, but go to that site, look at the paper. The, the summary will tell you that we've been lied to completely about about the testing method and as a consequence the so-called pandemics is is a lie as well because they've they've created using artificial uh non-appropriate uh tests for clinical diagnoses so that's on the one side but they needed to lie to you to persuade you that there was a major problem that needed addressing with a vaccine and all sorts of repress repression like lockdown and business closures but in, most importantly, they wanted to get your arm and their needle joined together. And so all of that lie was for that. Um, I've come at this um, from my experience of being in the pharmaceutical industry in so-called um, uh, intelligent drug design or rational drug designs. I, I knew that the design of these vaccines was dangerous the day I saw them because they cause your body to manufacture a protein that does not belong in your body, either through you know nature or God, take your pick. You're not meant to make virus spike proteins, uh, but these mRNA and other genetic vaccines cause your body to manufacture something that has no business being made inside your cell and then expressed on the outside. When that happens, your wonderful immune system goes, hey, I've been infected uh, and I better attack that cell that's showing that foreign protein and kill it. And so I, I knew that everyone injected with the stuff was going to suffer autoimmune disease, which might not masquerade, might not present as a classic autoimmune disease, but basically it will be destruction of every cell take, that takes up this material and, and made the viral protein will lead your immune system to attack and kill it. So that alone makes it a no-go. And as Lee said, Dr. Lee said, if you've been injected, you can't uninject it, but, but please, for the love of God, don't have any more. And, and if they tell you there's another pandemic and you must take another mRNA vaccine, don't take that either, because by design, they're all dangerous because they, they make you uh, express a foreign protein. But in terms of um, finding the 
um, the uh, blueprint, as Dr. McKernan described it, the circular, it's bacterial style uh, DNA. Uh, I think what, what was shocking about that is it's, it showed a complete lack of regard for the people who are ultimately going to take this material. So those involved in manufacturing the product, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, there'll be lab techs and manufacturing experts. They won't be in charge of this, um, you know, attempted takeover of humanity. They'll be, you would hope they'd be doing their damn job and making sure that the material in the vial was what was on the, you know, the package insert, if there'd been one, not, not all this junk. So what, what, what Dr. McKernan found was evidence of the manufacturing method. So it's like, manufacturing some product that at the end will be purified and presented to you as a, as a manufactured clean product, but they didn't bother with the cleanup. They, so as you say, in some cases, there was a thousand times more of this residue uh, 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 as evidence of manufacturing method that was allowed, because you can never get to zero with anything. We know that. You have to have limits. You have tests and limits. Um, and so the fact that there were sometimes a thousand times more than was allowed to me, indicates a complete abandonment of the normal regulatory and um, quality sort of oversight. And, and if it's that bad in this particular injection, you know, doesn't that suggest to you, as it did to me, who is watching all the other uh, stages of manufacture? Who's checking that it's sterile, for example? Who's been looking at stability under forced degradation? Is anyone doing anything? Hello? I, so I wouldn't I, this is strong evidence that this, these have been made by either incompetent or deliberately, um, you know, deliberately you know, uh, bad thinking people. Um, and uh, in addition to all the concerns that you've raised, uh, one that comes to mind that I would want excluded because it strikes me as possible is that if any bacteria that live in your gut, because we, we are a... Um, a commensal uh, homeostatic system. We we are partly we have bacteria that are helpful in our digestion and they can cause disease if they get elsewhere in our body, but they live in our in our bowel uh, and derive benefit from it, and so do we. It's a symbi symbiosis. Those bacteria will have the same kind of genetic apparatus as Kevin found in these vaccines, and it occurs to me that if any part of your uh, normal flora that live in your in your gut got infected with this plasmid, you could end up with a permanent installation of genetically modified organisms growing away in your bowel. I don't know how you would ever get rid of that. So I don't know what you think about that as a possibility, Lee. I know they're in different components, compartments. You've been injected. The bacteria should be on the other side of your gut wall. But the, the, the idea is quite frightening, isn't it, that you might end up inadvertently infecting your own um, you know, uh, symbiotic bacteria. Oh, oh, no, I think it's quite possible. And I think it is a staggering concern because the gut microbiome, and we've done several programs mm -hmm. on that with experts in the, in the field, microbiologists and gastroenterologists who study it, Dr. Sabine Hazel, uh, Hazen and, um, Dr. Raul Kano are people that I've interviewed on exactly that point. And actually what, what Dr. Hazen has found is that COVID illness and the COVID shots 
destroy the spike protein and the lipid nanoparticle and other damaging effects. Um, just to sen- give a synopsis of one of the concerns that I have from what she found is that it destroyed the beneficial bifidobacteria in the gut. Mm-hmm. So we, we already have evidence from the microbiome work that she's done that COVID illness and the COVID shots do adversely damage the beneficial bacteria in the gut that are critical to our health. So I don't think from what she's already proven in her extraordinarily um, thorough and research that she's been doing for decades, but, but more so since obviously the COVID shots and COVID illness hit us, she's been focused on that. And I don't think it's a stretch at all to think that if there's also this DNA contamination in the shots, that that can certainly also Mm -hmm. alter the beneficial and and damage the beneficial bacteria in the gut. Yeah. And I think um, those in the audience who might um, have wondered some time ago, you know, whether opinions of, of people like me, and um, some colleagues have said this to me. You know, we we worried that you were you know, a bit extreme, Doctor Eden, because I I was <laughs> I was saying in 2020 <laughs> these things that by design are dangerous. They they initially even some of my scientific colleagues who are now on side didn't accept that. And so there might be some of you out there rolling your eyes, thinking, God, you know, these these people are you know over the top. You know, yeah, mistakes was made. No, no, this 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 is not. This is not a mistake. Um, so uh, for those who haven't uh, had a chance uh, to look at the, the, the legal scholarship of a lady uh, called uh, Catherine, with a K, Catherine Watt, double T, W-A-double T. She runs a substack, and so she's looked at all of the public health legislation and its evolution in, in America. And you will, you will discover some astonishing stuff that essentially uh, that... Uh, come 2020, the people who controlled the public health response, including countermeasures of which these alleged vaccines was one, uh, wasn't uh, you know wasn't CDC or FDA, but the Health and Human Services, which I believe is a division of the Department of Defense. But uh, so if you look at Catherine Watt, you'll find that what we've been subject to is a legal on paper, clearly you know nonsense, but it's it's kind of legal on paper. Um, a way of being able to say, you know, hey, there's in the event there's a public health emergency, oh look, the WHO has just declared one, then we can do these things legally, including I think I think the bad manufacture was legalized by this process, and that's why it doesn't make it okay. It makes it not okay, but it explains why it's happened. So it didn't go through the normal. R and D research and development that I mean. Oh, oh, you're to. exactly yeah. right. Uh, the emergency emergency yeah. use authorization legislation waived good manufacturing. Exactly, and so that practices that for just, all of yeah. the count, covered countermeasures, which yeah. includes the mask, yeah. the test kits, exactly. COVID shots, and remdesivir, and the yeah. ventilators. And that's yes, exactly, and that's why it's been. For my, for my money, it's been junk science from beginning to end, which is harmful. And that's because it's nothing to do with public health, but control. 
No, that's exactly right. Well, let's talk more about the control aspect after the break. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report Vaccine Report. Dr. Eden and I are bringing you shocking information about further damaging contaminants in the COVID shots. So if you're listening, we urge you not to get any more boosters if you've already had the COVID shot and be careful about further mRNA injections. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org, where we have resources to help you treat the complications that have occurred with you got the COVID shot. And we also have the Citizens Vaccine Injury Reporting System that you can report complications that have occurred with the COVID shots. We'll be right back after the break. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Sigloff, a family medicine physician and a major in the U.S. Army. The following are only my opinions. Service members are being coerced to participate in medical experimentation, with over 7,500 service members being discharged for refusing to participate. Many of them have lost their retirement and medical benefits. There are allegations that the DOD is committing medical fraud, violating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and violating the constitutional rights of service members. Strong men and women stand ready to defend so that you can sleep peacefully through the night. Now we must stand watch over the military so they can sleep peacefully through the night. Please get involved to help protect the military. This message brought to you by the Truth For Health Foundation. For more information, please visit truthforhealth.org. That is truthforhealth.org. Truth, the word for, health.org. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report vaccine segment with Dr. Mike Eden and Dr. Lane for America. We have scientist and physician, so we bring you quite a wide perspective on the problems. I see the complications in my medical practice, and Dr. Eden has spent a career 30 plus years in big pharma as a former vice president and chief scientists worldwide for respiratory pharmacology with Pfizer. So he understands what should be done and what has not been done in the proper development of these experimental COVID shots. So getting back to your point that you were ending the first half about talking about the control agenda, Dr. Eden, Let's step back and how does the lack of manufacturing standards, contamination with bacterial DNA and all kinds of other contaminants that have been discovered in the shots and the flaws in the use of the PCR testing, how does all of that tie in to the control agenda that we've all been facing since the COVID pandemic began. We've been facing control in every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Yes. So I think just to, to take a step back, um, I, I, think it's as, I think it's as simple as this, that, uh, uh, you know, people with bad intent, um, some of them funded by public money and controlled by Anthony Fauci and, and others by you know, Gates Foundation or the Wellcome Trust, those are the three I would look at, have spent their time uh, looking for, uh, and in some cases possibly even creating 
uh, diseases, you know, which they will they will allege, maybe it's true, uh, could infect one person, then another and another. I, I'm personally rather sceptical about the reality of it, but set aside my view as to whether it's real or not, what, they, what they've managed to do is create a situation, and they can repeat this, this is the scary part, where they can say, hey, we've found a really frightening virus, and this could infect and kill lots of people. Therefore, essentially, without telling you this, we're going to invoke some emergency legislation that means we can tell you what to do. We can strip you of your freedoms. So that was, that's the heart of it. They've, I think they've lied to us using uh, untrustworthy tests um, and, and then used that excuse to say, you know, help, help, there's a, there's a pandemic about in order to justify stripping you of your rights to move about, uh, you know, your, your rights to have access to, you know, uh, your, your own family, to, to the food you might want to buy, to be able to decide what to do with your own post-tax income, all that sort of stuff. They, it's just based on this lie that, you know, whether or not there's really a virus, what, what I think we all do agree is there wasn't a public health emergency of, of any magnitude that justified locking the world down. Uh, so, so that's it. They're, they're scaring us with fake emergencies. Uh, and I'm afraid, and I didn't think this until I looked at the detail, uh, another fake emergency, climate change. It's just, it's a fake emergency, which we could we could talk about very briefly, but I won't use up time now. But I, I, have, I have used my scientific expertise to review the literature and listen to interviews by people who are uh, career-long climate and atmospheric scientists, and it's obviously it's the same kind of fraud uh, as with the pandemic. That's a, that's what made it quite easy for me to spot as a scientist scientist who's been all over the COVID fraud. So once they've got you scared, they can make you do things, and it's very hard to resist them because you're just a member of the public, right? You're not an ologist, you're not a scientist or a doctor. So I think my wife said early on the reason they've picked science is that most people do not feel confident even asking questions. And if they picked any, if they picked politics, it would have been easy, or sport. <laughs> but so they picked public health, and they made it sciencey. And once they've done that, they can herd you, stay at home, lockdown, things like that. Um, and and but the goal, folks, the goal, I'm afraid, was to introduce into every human arm that they possibly could an injection of these materials, which I am certain, given my work experiences, a reliable assessment, were toxic deliberately they made them to be harmful they they weren't designed to generate protective immunity um they, they were designed to cause your body to make something that your body doesn't want inside it a non-self viral protein which triggers your own immune system to attack your previously healthy cells and cause disease and why do they want to do that because i think the end game is they will move from occasional frightening pandemics to a situation where they have digital control because you'll be required to carry a digital ID and the only way you can buy anything is with cashless electronic money that they control. That's, I think, these. this is a rehearsal for that end game. They knew they couldn't go directly to that. Hey, take a digital ID and we, we're taking your money and it's going to be digital. I think people would have uh, would have tooled up and sorted them out. So they, this has been a softening up of the world over the last three years, four years, and they'll do it again. And I think the end game ultimately is control. And then what they will do with the control, personally, I think it's going to be 
satanic depopulation. And the reason I say that is if they just wanted to get control, they could have injected you with saline. It would have been no, it would, would it, you know, they could have just done that. Uh, but no, they injected you with something that was deliberately dangerous that would affect your health, your baby in your womb, your fertility, your own genetic heritage. That's, you can't, you can't say this is like a business opportunity. This is, this is a diabolical assault on the human race. Lee. Well, I quite agree with you because there is no therapeutic rationale for it whatsoever. When it doesn't provide immunity, which they've now admitted, Mm -hmm. and they knew the damage, go back to what you said in 2020 and 2021 at the beginning when I first started talking with you. You were talking about the fact that they knew the lipid nanoparticle coating ingredients were damaging the ovary and testicle. They knew that 15 years ago that damaged the reproductive organs of all the animal species that were tested. And that study that they had been doing research on was published 12 years prior to the shot launch so they went ahead with that technology Mm. knowing that the lipid nanoparticle technology of the coating to drive the mrna into our cells through the the fat the lipid layer of our cells needed that lipid nanoparticle coating to drive the mrna into our cells which then affects the dna in the Nuclear. Oh, definitely. There's, there's no question that, um, yeah, that was one of the things I, I pointed out that when, when, when someone selects this lipid nanoparticles, these, these macromolecule uh, sort of lipid carriers, um, as you say, there was published literature that said that this was um, dangerous in that it would drive the injected material to, to accumulate, you know, maybe 10x or 20x um, in, in certain internal organs, including including ovaries and testes. Uh, so they knew that and nevertheless selected it as the vehicle. So ladies and gentlemen, even if you disagree with everything else I just told you, it is, it's confirmable in five minutes that they did choose uh, a, an important component, the formulation, the wrapping, the coat for these injected materials, something which we knew in peer-reviewed journal articles would, would then cause these injected materials to traffic to your, you know, fundamentally important reproductive and endocrine organs so you know there's no excuse for this that's the uh, that's that's my point and also i think as a physician you pointed out to me dr lee uh, and in conversation with people like dr peter mccullough and pierre corey and others that you know if you have a novel a novel disease you would seek to treat the symptoms and as we understood it the underlying nature of the disease what you wouldn't do is inject every person in the population with a view to trying to make them immune. Because it takes a decade to demonstrate that you have a, a safe and effective vaccine. And you can't make it more quick quickly than that. What you can do, though, is take from the toolbox of medicines that have been from nature and from the pharmaceutical industry over 100 years and uh, do uh, therapeutic trials. We, we knew roughly what to do. Um, and that's what you would do. You would give you would give the off-label medication to the people who were already in need. And that way, you 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 butt up the risk and benefit, and you leave everybody else alone. 
So I would so I would say from a an ethics and practical standpoint, they should never have reached for the vaccine toolbox. They should have reached for the off-label medicines, you know, the ivermectins and hydroxychloroquines and so on. Um, and uh, you know, and numerous other things that would have been would have been wise. So going going to a vaccine may sound sensible to a member of the public that's just been told that's what should happen. But I, we are just explaining to you as scientists and physicians that it's an irrational thing to do because by definition, it takes many, many more years to develop uh, and demonstrate the safety of a new injected vaccine than any pandemic in human history has ever lasted. You, they would know that so the day they, they proposed it internally. Somebody would have said, uh, pandemics don't last more than a you know, few months, couple of years. It'll take you eight years, 10 years for the vaccine. It's a non-starter. And so I knew that the day I heard it, I thought, what the dickens is going on here? And of course, is that that observation is consistent with my concern that I've been expressing for almost whatever two and a half years, which is that that these materials are are deliberately harmful to you. It, it was an irrational thing to do, um, and but any voices that said, "Hey, look, we should be using off-label medicines," those people, some of those people had their medical licenses taken taken away for doing no more than following their training, which is to use the best of their knowledge in order to help this patient in front of them. Isn't that right, Dr. Lee? You should, that's what you should do. No, that's exactly right. And, and, and in fact, they didn't just avoid looking to those medicines, as you said. They actively persecuted doctors who were doing good clinical medicine and using the tools at hand to treat the high-risk patients. And they persecuted them and punished them. And they had a coordinated campaign in the global media to suppress and demonize the very medicines that have been used safely worldwide. In the case of hydroxychloroquine, it had been FDA approved 65 years ago, and chloroquine, the sister drug, was approved in 1934, and both of those drugs have been some of the safest medicines used worldwide to treat infectious diseases such as malaria and autoimmune conditions like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, and hydroxychloroquine has been in clinical trials as an anti-cancer drug at our own NIH for a number of years and has a 40-year track record of use as a successful anti-diabetes drug. So the fact that this data on safety and effectiveness across multiple kinds of medical conditions has been known for literally since 1934 and hydroxychloroquine, one of the most safe and widely used medicines in the world since 1965 and for 65 years. And then ivermectin also approved about 30 years ago and found we knew by, from the doctors in Brazil, we knew by April, May of 2020 that it was working against COVID. So absolutely it was a total plan, and the only 
conclusion anyone can come to is what you just said, intent to do harm. If the governments and big media, big tech, big pharma, and big government, big medicine were all in collusion, which they clearly were, to stop early treatment with existing medicines and push everyone into the vice of the COVID shot that, as you said, was toxic by design, clearly their intent was to cause damage and death. There's no other conclusion. No, no, absolutely. And and, uh, again, just to uh, revisit an an earlier point that I made, started making in spring of 2020, when, when the government in Britain, uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, came on the TV in the evening and, and said in his heavy Churchillian manner, ladies and gentlemen of Britain, you, you must stay at home. It's the three weeks to flatten the curve stuff. Um, I, I remember um, looking up our Brit, Brit, the British pandemic preparedness plan for influenza-like illnesses, because that's what this was alleged to be, even though they, they said you're not allowed to call it influenza-like the symptoms were like severe influenza. So I looked up the plan. It makes no mention, ladies and gentlemen, of lockdown. It makes no mention of mass testing of the public, of border closures, of business closures, of school closures, uh, of quarantining the healthy. None of those things. So intrigued, I checked the pandemic preparedness plans of half a dozen countries in Europe, and none of them mentioned any of the things that were imposed upon us. So I put it to you, when we have this near uniform response of lockdown, mass testing, masking, restrictions, uh, since they were not in our plans previously, but all arrived within a few weeks of each other in March 2020, I believe that that's unequivocal evidence of a supranational activity. Someone is doing this that's not your government, uh, or at least it's someone above your government is providing this unifying, inappropriate health policy. And, and I don't know, it was either WHO or the World Economic Forum. Who cares? It's, but the point is, we, we didn't even follow our own rules. And so Dr. Lee and I have explained that you, there's a, about a third of the medicines on the market have as their main use something other than what was started by people like me, you know, decades ago in the lab. And that's because quite often we find a medicine that affects a biological process, but it isn't it isn't right for the thing we first hypothesized, but there is some use for it. And so it's really quite common for medicines to end up somewhere different than, than we humble scientists had in mind when we started. It's not, it's not a crazy thing, it's not an unusual thing, it's not wild to do off-label prescribing. On the contrary, it from what I've said, you should expect it to be quite common, and it is. The best physicians, they'll use standard of what's called standard of care, the normal things that you would do. But if the patient is still in need or suffering or can't tolerate that most common medicine, they would reach in the toolbox and they would usually manage to come up with something else. So it's not surprising that some brave physicians did manage to treat the, these conditions using medicines that were already in the toolbox. It's too slow to go for a vaccine. It's obvious that you should go for off-label treatment. And so I say again, they've come up with fake, fear-provoking lies, and I think they'll do another viral thing. We've, we've talked about you know, Ebola-style 
uh, infections. We had that the abortive monkeypox, that's a joke, wasn't it, a year or so ago. They'll they'll probably trigger, they'll probably lie to us about something in terms of war and potentially nuclear weapons. And they're definitely lying to you about climate change. And all of these things, basically, a friend of mine recently said, it diagnostic of, of fraud is this. If, they, if it mentions global and it's something that, that, that you have to let the governments of the world solve together, you should be pretty much convinced straight away it's a scam. And, and then the thing that makes it definite is when they censor competing opinions. It's the only reason you would censor competing opinions is because what you're doing is fraud. So when they, when they raise a scary specter that's global, that requires a global response, and they censor competing voices, you can be sure it's absolutely diagnostic of a scam. And that's that's what climate change is, that's what COVID-19 is, and it'll be true of the next thing too. So we need to wake up and not trust these liars. Well, that's exactly right. And something else that, that you were saying that people need to understand, yes, it takes eight to 10 years to develop a vaccine, so it's preposterous to think that they could have developed one in less than a year that was safe and effective. Mm. But the other aspect of it is goes to something that you also alluded to. Number one, we've never in the history of the pandemics that have been identified, vaccinated people in the middle of the pandemic, because when you vaccinate people and they are sick or risk infection, then the combination of the vaccine and the illness lead to exaggerated antibody responses that can cause further damage. That's a simplistic explanation of one concern. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. There's a, there's a guy, uh, Dr. Uh, Geert, or Geert is a Dutch guy, uh, Geert van den Bosch. Exactly uh, right. And you know, I... I was a bit skeptic, skeptical when he first appeared because, believe it or not, he used to work for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in the field of vaccines. But he does seem to have acquitted himself by staying on point repeatedly. The point you made, he said that it's it's actually dangerous to 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 vaccinate during during a, a mass outbreak. They, they're prophylactic, so that's a well, and they did, they never did. Done. One of the clinical tests that we we had available that could have been used, and I did for my patients, was to check the antibody status of people before they got the COVID shot. If they already had antibodies to the nucleocapsid of SARS-CoV-2 and antibodies to the spike protein, then they had had the illness and they were immune. They didn't need the vaccine. There was also a cover-up of test before you treat concept, which we do in medicine all the time. Mm -hmm. You don't start somebody on diabetes medicines until you've checked their blood sugar. You don't start someone on a statin to lower cholesterol until you see if they have high cholesterol. I mean, it's just common sense. So there were a group of us that were trying to do a campaign on test and treat before. So test for antibody status in people who have said 
You know, our patients who said, I've had COVID, why do I need a vaccine? Then I ordered these blood tests. And if they had positive antibodies, I said, well, you're right. You don't need the COVID shot. And so they didn't get it. That's the way medicine has always worked. And that was also covered up. They prevented, in fact, they went after one of the doctors, nationally known physician trained at Yale, was really pushing this and writing to the FDA and to Congress and anyone who would listen. And they, again, persecuted him for raising the logical clinical question. So Dr. Eden, everywhere we turn, they, they didn't follow their normal pandemic plans that we had in the U.S. that didn't mention masking and lockdowns and business closures and mandatory vaccination. They used a flawed diagnostic test. They did not follow the normal practices for proper vaccine development that take many years. They didn't follow the normal practices to avoid vaccinating into the middle of a pandemic when people were at risk of being infected and sick on top of the vaccine. They didn't do any testing of people to see if they had antibodies beforehand. They suppressed early treatment. And they lied to us about the safety and effectiveness of the COVID shots. All the way around, Mm -hmm. there's no other conclusion that anyone with common sense can come to except that this was toxic by design and damage by design, as you have been saying all along. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right. That, uh, you know, again, again, one of the earliest observations that, uh, you know, these kind of crazy lockdowns, masking and so on were, were required, you know, not only in my country, contrary to the normal freedoms that, that human has, you know, you, we would normally be advised in the past, you would have been advised, ladies and gentlemen, if there was a risk and advised what you might want to do about it. But in the end, it was your choice. But this, this turned all of that on its head just and based on based on lies, uh, basically we're going to strip you of your autonomy and make you do certain things. And, and unfortunately it's not a minor matter to, uh, you know, curtail the economy of the world that that produces uh, you know, huge financial losses that result in poor people dying ultimately, uh, certainly in developing countries uh, and even in our own countries. That it's the it's the weakest with the least resources. They're the ones who suffered and died, not the comfortable, you know, the well-off people who had comfortable houses that could live a, a laptop life and then spend the afternoon in their garden. That was a major feature, or I think, of the British pandemic in that, guess what? The people who are noisy on social media are appearing on TV and write newspaper columns. They're the people who live you know, in large detached homes with comfortable gardens. So they had a wonderful you know, pandemic, but, but that wasn't real life. So, but the people who had to try and struggle on through it, you know, who clean your streets and deliver your parcels and cut your yard and so on, you know, that those people had their lives destroyed. They weren't allowed to visit relatives, even sick ones, sometimes even dying people in hospitals. Oh, I know. It, it was just, just it was the human suffering and cost yeah. to all this was just staggering. Dr. Eden, thank you for, again, connecting the dots, going over all of this, helping to 
sound the alarm to our listeners. For all of you listening, please heed our warning and please share these programs with your networks and your your social media, your family, your friends. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org and get involved with us. Sign up for our email alerts. Donate to support our continued fight against medical tyranny and loss of all your freedom. And we are working to bring you the truth against the lies and deceptions. Join us. We'll be back again with another whistleblower report. This is Dr. Lee for America. God bless you. Stay strong, speak out, get loud, and stand against tyranny.